Well, uh, KubeCon is coming up. Is that next month in March? I've lost track, or is it May? It's uh, April. It's April. April. Okay, right in the middle there, sandwiched between the two M months. I think uh, you know this. This is a good opportunity for me to do my uh, my my uh, periodic query. I think there's only four months that share the same letter, right? March, May, June, and July. Well, I'll, I'll have to go through the rest of them and see if I can come up with with other ones. I'm probably skipping something. I'm, I'm not no good curious. at these memory tests. Don't, yeah, don't uh, do this to me. <laughs> well, here's here's before we get to the 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 meaningness of it, since KubeCon is coming up. Now, I know I know you don't live in the Amsterdam area, or you're not an expert on it, so we don't need to go over like restaurants and things like this. But here's something that, having lived here for a while and given advice to people, I realized you have to cover is like, what is your advice for figuring out how how like the trains and the trams work, and and yeah, just because it seemed to us, well, well, to us, it's simple, right? But I feel like, especially if you're coming over from the States, you might just be like, whoa, right? Yeah. You've got a well, lot of I've, stuff going on. Yeah. Oh, I have good news for everyone. Just use Google Maps. Uh, yes. Yeah. We'll Google see. have, they ingest all of the essential infrastructure data that our country provides. And you can use it perfectly for public transport. And public transport is the way to get around, I should add. Absolutely. Do not expect to be driving to KubeCon. Don't even try. <laughs> and and it is, uh, there are multiple stops on all, I think even the metro goes there, right? On all, all forms oh, yeah. of transit to where the- All uh, forms of transit. But of course, if you're going Dutch, you should go by bike. Yes. Now, yes. now there is, so here's a caveat to use Google Maps. Our Dutch rail service, NS, does have their own app, obviously. And if you install that app, then as part of your public transport experience, you can rent a bike at uh, yeah. just about any Dutch uh, train station using the app. Um, and it gives you the perfect way from the train station to get to KubeCon by bike. Um, if it's too far, you can always use the subway. But I would definitely recommend trying the biking experience. I don't know if you know the YouTube channel, Not Just Bikes. Um, it's another, it's a Canadian that lives oh, in yeah. Amsterdam. Yeah. And his, it's a very popular channel. And um, he, um, he uh, all his entire content, his whole thing is using Amsterdam and, and Dutch infrastructure as the shining example to the rest of the world what uh, urban planning could look like. Yeah, um, yeah. And what, what actual useful public transport actually can look like. Yeah, that's it's fun. It's fun to watch that you know living here because it's uh, yeah, that guy has a lot of opinions which are pretty much accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, and you and you can speak from experience. Having how long have you lived in Amsterdam now? Like four and a half years, basically. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you know. So so to build on what you're saying, yes, I didn't even see. This is why it's great to ask you because I didn't even consider that part. Is like yeah, get Google Maps. And uh, you can anywhere you want to get, you just switch it over to the transit thing, and it's good. It'll tell you like down to like the platform to go to at what time, and it's it's uh, it's quite impressive. So like when you get to uh, when you get to the airport, you can just put it in instantly, and it'll tell you how to get to your hotel and and where to go. And the other thing, now I haven't tested this as much as I want to 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 give this advice, but I'm going to give it anyways. Is uh, recently. They finally like uh, got to the point where you can just use your your I don't know if this works for Androids, but you can use your phone to pay for uh, yes. bus fare. Which means yeah. if you set up the transit stuff on your phone, you can just go up to the um, I don't know what you call them, the gates, and just put your phone on it. Which is it's always mysterious because there's this piece of glass and it looks like there's nothing underneath it, but magically it works. Yeah, uh, you, yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. I think I I don't think you get a discounted fare, but you probably have to have a bank account and live here anyways to get a discounted fare. But it's great. You just like when you approach the gates, you uh, you tap in and when you leave, you tap out. And there's only one confusing aspect. And that is if you're switching from uh, from a metro to something else, you've got to like tap out and tap back in. But you'll figure it out. It'll 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 be cool. Yeah. And another another interesting point that people might not be used to. We have a single system across the entire country for this. Yes. One single, you can get these cards anywhere or you can do the app on your phone. It doesn't. I don't think the, the phone thing works everywhere yet. But you yeah, get the yeah. cards, the cards will work in the entire country of a national system. Yeah. One yeah. system. 
And you know what, what I would recommend, depend, if, if you're staying here, like however many days you're staying here, like right when you're at the airport, if, if you're not there at like 2 a.m., although you can probably buy it at 2 a.m. too, you should just get like the tourist card that's like for three days or five days or whatever for, for the trains and mm. obviously don't lose it, but you'll be set. It'll it'll be uh, it'll be super easy. And then, yeah, that's the other thing is like I tell only one person out, only one family out of, I don't know, five who visit us here over the years has ever taken me up on the vice. But you should just rent some bikes day one. And, and you know, you can also go to the station and just rent them hourly or whatever. But like, just just get some bikes. It'll be fine. I mean, you're here yeah. <laughs> and, and and have a good time and uh, go go around that way, because that's that's the uh, the uh, as our Canadian friend would tell you that's that's what this whole place is optimized around so it'll be the the easiest to do and then you could be those people that are dinging at the uh, the other tourists which might feel feel gratifying yeah. for you i i have to i do kind of imagine you know um, americans you know biking maybe maybe not for the first time but not being used to the how how many bikes there are in amsterdam and how, how dense that 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 experience can be it presents different challenges to cars yeah. It can be overwhelming if you're not used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's there's a little bit of just like uh, gird your loins and take your life in your hands. But just do it for like 30 minutes and you'll be cool. You just observe how people are going. Yeah. What what I've learned, uh, and then I think this is solid advice for KubeCon people, is like one of the things I remember, I don't know what they teach around here, but one of the things I remember from driver's ed is one of the more important things was look around at the other cars and do what they're doing. Right. Like just go with the flow of things like, of course, you want to follow the rules and things like that. But it's also important to kind of read the road or read the room, as it were, and just do what they're doing. And similarly, like if you have that attitude, just like spend 10, 15 minutes as you're biking around, looking at what all the other bikers are doing and just do that. Now, you might want to actually stop when the bike lock lights tell you to stop, unlike many people. But that's fine if you want to do that. <laughs> I, I do. I do notice the cars have really good brakes and, and radars these days. <laughs> they do well. But not all. So, so now, now that we uh, uh, have established your your uh, regional expertise here, what what is what is your expertise relative to computers? Who who are you, and uh, what do you work on? Well, my name is Robert. I uh, I work for ITQ for the last three years now, um, and ITQ is. Um, is a consultancy and a VMware partner um, for a long time. Um, ITQ itself has been around about 20, 20 years or so. Um, and myself, well, I've been in IT for about 20 years as well. Um, I'm one of those kids that, that when you ask, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I had no answer, but I did say something with computers. There you go. So, so, um, so basically, uh, once, once we had a PC, in the house and Olivetti 8088. Um, I uh, I owned it. It was mine, and I uh, basically that was the start of uh, of my interest. Um, actually, because I mean, see, I, I think my dad took me to War Games when it came out. Oh so right, it was like must have been like six or something, which is not an appropriate age for that movie, I believe. But I remember being being so hooked on that movie, I could literally. Um, in the schoolyard, like this little six-year-old is basically spouting all the lines from war games to his, his clueless and very confused six-year-old friends. So that's probably where it started. <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine oh, it wasn't exactly like an elementary school favorite there, uh, like for, for the, uh, the six-year-old set. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what, I guess just the general feeling of impending doom that that movie brings wouldn't be great for uh for for younger children like especially the questions about like could that really yeah. happen no no one wants to was, discuss that yeah I, was, I think i was a little too young to understand the full context of that i remember when uh i remember it was the same year i remember chernobyl being on the news mm. and not understanding when they were talking about a plant that they weren't talking about a leafy plant you know with, with green and in a pot somewhere right right I remember that uh, confused me <laughs> yeah. So, so what, uh, I mean, you head up a practice there at ITQ, right? What, what is, what is this practice? Yeah. So, um, so ITQ has been, um, um, has been doing kind of general IT consultancy for a long time. We even did software development at some point in the past. And I think the last, uh, last 10 years we've focused on 
basically VMware. We decided to essentially become a single vendor consultancy uh, with a focus on, on the VMware uh, ecosystem. Um, and um, we're doing pretty well at that. Um, and we're kind of at the European level now. So we have offices in various countries and about you know, 150-odd people. And I, th- I think um, about five years ago, five or six years ago, um, some of some of us um, decided to, to look into this cloud-native stuff that was starting to emerge. And very early on, we uh, developed a partnership with Pivotal. Um, and um, and we, uh, we would um, help Pivotal in engagements. We would uh, do the Pivotal Labs stuff. We would, uh, we would, be, um, we would help in the dojo engagements. And for those, those who don't know, uh, Pivotal had a, a pretty interesting approach to customers, as you'll be very familiar with. Um, and uh, we, were a, we were a big fan of, of the way they did things and the way they approached customers and, and how, they, how they engaged with customers, how they helped train up people by pairing with them, by doing these really kind of intimate and, and um, pretty intensive engagements with developers or with um, or building a platform team around some of their products. And, um, and um, so, yeah, we, we, from early on, we were involved in that um, in getting Pivotal kind of started up in, in the Netherlands and in Europe. And, um, and that's how we started our cloud native division, as it were. Um, and um, and it's only kind of been growing since there. And of course, um, a few years ago, VMware reacquired Pivotal, came back to the family, back to the mothership, and um, and uh, the Tanzu portfolio was born around the same time. And that's around the time that I joined. So I joined um, yeah about three years ago. Tanzu mm-hmm. was pretty new, and I, I I came in. And I've I've got a long-standing infrastructure background. So I did you know I've done I've done vSphere storage, um, vSAN, uh, touch more or less every VMware product. But I came to ITQ and I said, this cloud native stuff is really exciting. That's what I want to do. Um, I, I'm, I, I know all these other products. So I don't want to do any of that anymore. Um, uh, just just put me on this, this cloud native stuff. And that's what they did. And since then, I've kind of, um, you know, I, I like to be really broad. So I, I know a bit about just about everything in the Tanzu portfolio. A little bit, you know. I'm not. I don't go very deep. Well, some things I go deep, but but um, this broad kind of um, view of the whole portfolio allows me to 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 be the guy who can explain it to everyone else inside ITQ and then to our customers. Mm. So I've ended up as one of the Tanzu practice leads in ITQ. We call them technologists, um, and it's basically me and uh, and my colleague Sander, who's more on the dev developer side, and. And so I bring the platform side, he brings the dev side, and together we kind of do our, our, um, our the Tanzu practice or the cloud native practice inside ITQ. Um, and it's headed up by, uh, by um, our, uh, our Valent uh, uh, VP of, uh, of cloud native, Martijn. Um, and uh, yeah, we're trying to build out this. And we, uh, of course, we see ourselves as the, uh, the, the kind of more, most cutting edge part of ITQ, obviously. Um, but it's it's a it's been a wild ride the last three years. Um, we've really um, you know a lot of customers, a lot of products. Of course, the Tanzu portfolio is really evolving. Um, so keeping up with that has been a real challenge. But it's been it's been an amazing ride so far. So so let's start with like uh, you know uh, for people who aren't watching the live stream, you have a, a vSAN sticker on your laptop, a testament to your exciting infrastructure background. But so so let let's let's start with the infrastructure background. Like when you're talking with people, whether they're customers or not customers, and they're kind of like infrastructure people. Um, like, how do you explain like this platform thing to them, right? Like, and, and I ask this because I talk with infrastructure people as well, but I come from the application developer perspective, right? So I'm sort of like, Anytime I talk with infrastructure people, I feel like I'm always learning more than I'm telling them <laughs> about about how they think and kind of like map their notions up to developers. But like, what what do you what do you do to like, or what do you talk about to get infrastructure people to be like, oh, developers, that's fantastic, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like to kind well, of get them to be uh, work with them and be, you know, have a good time with developers. Yeah, well, that oh, that goes straight to the heart of it, doesn't it? Um, so, so 
so it's funny the best just if i go back to my experience you know on in infra you know doing infra in all kinds of different ways i mean the, the thing that kind of stands out is that when you never really ever deal with developers directly mm. um traditionally um so um so that the the closest the closest you usually get um from a kind of that v sphere infra kind of uh, area is um is you deliver a vm um, and you might provision, you know, you might be the same team responsible for provisioning what goes into the VM, and then you hand the VM over to someone else, and then the VM becomes someone else's problem. And um, and oftentimes, especially in larger organizations where you have thousands of VMs running, uh, you don't want, you don't know what people are doing on those VMs, you don't know what's running on them. Um, and it's it's in that area where developers uh, will start to to do their thing. So traditionally, there's this huge culture gap, and when we go into customers, the first thing, first thing I do, the first questions I ask are about to see where that culture gap is. Is there a culture gap? Mm -hmm. Is there a gap? How big is it? Um, how close are they to the developers? Is it the same? Is it separate lines of business? Um, you know, is it, uh, is it, uh, do they fall under different directors? You know, what's the political situation? Because, because knowing how far away, um, an IT team is from, from, um, the, uh, you know, what, what developers are usually doing, building kind of, you know, value around the, the main business process. Um, understanding how far away from that they are uh, really tells you a, a huge amount about how to approach that customer or how to, how to do an engagement or the, even the kind of language to use. Um, so, so, and I notice, I find it's different with every customer, right? There, there's no, I mean, there's, there's always a, there's always a gap of some kind. Um, but um but sometimes, uh, especially if the, customer, if, the, if the companies are smaller or newer, that gap will be smaller usually. They'll be mm. closer together. If it's a startup or a startup mentality, uh, it'll usually be closer. Uh, but it really, really depends. And, um, and so it, it's, it's hard when, that, when there's a gap, when they, they really have never kind of sat down with their own developers to understand their world, it can be really hard to, to talk to them about shipping code <laughs> or um yeah or, or, or on and yeah, it goes to the fundamentals of what containers and kubernetes and all that stuff is for um because you you have to maybe take a quite a few steps back and start building up a picture of how modern software development goes to to actually educate them about how it probably happens inside their company um so so i end up with these engagements often um, getting people together sometimes for the very first time and 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 having them talk to each other and learning from each other how the other the other side's world actually is um, and the, the first thing i do when i do a workshop around i know implementing tanzu kubernetes grid or something like that the, i say like you know what are you doing it for you're doing it for developers so we're gonna have a workshop and the developers are going to be there you know or the, the line of business is going to be there or the project is going to be there it's not just going to be with infra i mean infra might might own the product and that even that is sometimes an open question um but i get them together and it's often for the for the first time um and that's a those are interesting conversations you can just kind of you you set it up you sit back and then you see them start asking each other the right questions uh if you're lucky sometimes you have to help a bit uh, to get that conversation going yeah that, that's i i like i like the idea of you know it's it's making me realize I have to do this too, and I'm not very good at it. Is like calibrating pretty quickly where everyone's knowledge is. <laughs> of you know, especially with with. I mean, it, it goes in both directions, right? Like whether you're a developer or an infrastructure people, like it's like I, I'm 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 quickly thinking through like the last you know conversations and meetings I've had for the past year, and you've got to like go a couple of levels below how are you set up to figure out like how people are actually set up like i remember one conversation i had with someone and you know this this group of people had built out uh i don't know cloud stuff and kubernetes stuff and so they were like we're cool and then you know you 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 as you're getting to you get closer to like yeah so uh how do your developers work and what do they do and then they're kind of like that's a great question <laughs> i mean yeah and and it but but it, and then and then as you're saying the the next good part after that and I think it would be interesting also to contemplate how, again, for developers, you would have this same conversation in the other direction is like, 
uh, it's often handy to just go over how software development works, <laughs> like like what all the components of it, because it can be a, a, a bit of a odd mystery of, of how these things go. You know, you, you were making me think in, in describing this, again, drawing from your uh, your history, like I'm all, I wasn't in this area, like whenever virtualization became a big thing, but you've worked in that area. And I remember, like, I'm always curious, like, was it a similar structural issue? Because virtualization was and is kind of like a cross-cutting thing that doesn't really care about your organization structure. Now it's been around so much that it's just like we take it for granted. But back then it was just like, yeah, what if we did everything? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's... I would imagine the conversations were kind of similar. Yeah, well, it's so I've 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 experienced this this cyclical thing twice now in my career because I came in around 1999, 2000, Windows 2000 had come out, just come out, and this introduced um, a whole bunch of new stuff that Windows NT4 and previous administrators were not used to, things like Active Directory, and um, and a group policy and, and things like this, and I remember. And I was, this is when I started my consultancy career and they, they do what most consultants do. They, they send you to get the, you know, Microsoft MCSE, you know, say so now you're a paper MCSE. You don't actually know anything, but you have the <laughs> thing, right? And, and what you notice is that there was a generation of, um, of uh, admins who had come up from the kind of the, the kind of the old kind of mainframe data center days had grown through novel network and into, into, mm. into, um, Microsoft NT, you know, NT311, NT4. Um, uh, uh, but 2000 introduced stuff, and that was a real challenge for them. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, you really saw this drop off at that point where people struggled with that, with you know, new concepts, with that kind of new, those new things. And then when, when virtualization came around, not that long after, um, you saw a very similar kind of effect where, um, where you know, younger people had an easier time adapting to this concept of now we can do hardware as a as kind of this virtual construct. You could, and I remember I remember the first time I struggled with this. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this dual boot thing. No, it's not dual boot. You just you just run this thing called VMware Workstation, um, and it wasn't even called that. It was the previous name. And then you just and you can spin up a server inside on your laptop, and it doesn't affect anything else. It's like how can it not affect everything else? That's not going to wipe <laughs> my boot record. Come on, this is nonsense. Um, a lot of people had, had trouble um, adapting to that 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 idea, and even to, to this day, I still do come across hardcore database guys who say, "Listen, I'm never going to virtualize this 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 Microsoft SQL Server that we've had for 15 years um, because uh, yeah, it'll never run as well in the, in a VM." And of course, they're usually right because VMware, you know, virtualization as all as all virtual you know kind of constructs have an overhead. And things are always, you know, things are always never clear cut. But, um, but it was, yeah, I was in the middle of that revolution when it came up, um, where everyone just said like, oh, the real, uh, you could see the, the realization coming into people's heads. We don't need hardware for everything. You know, we can set, we, you know, we can separate that out. And then, and then of course, vMotion, which always blows people's minds when they see it the first time. Yeah. Um, even today, by the way, um, you know, someone coming in fresh from college, I've seen this experience recently. They come in, they've never seen the VMware stuff. You know, they've been trained on maybe Amazon or something. And you show them, you know, vMotion at the ESX level. And they're like, wow, it didn't even have to go down. You know, this, this uncoupling of hardware and software, they've never realized that that's a thing. Um, so so vMotion, that vMotion movement even happens today, which is, which is funny to me. And, and, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that, I mean, that's, that matches like my my theory, as you were saying, that there was, uh, uh, I don't know, every ten or fifteen years, you just gotta like change. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the way the way you think about like your the the is responsibility the right word, but like like what you're doing as an infrastructure person and and how you're doing it, right? And and if you you know, if, if you uh, if you allow yourself to kind of float down that river of improvement, like things are cool, right? But it's it's hard to uh, not not to say it's hard to go against it, but it's just like yeah, it just stuff changes. Like you know, I'm 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 remembering that like at uh, at Explore EU, you know, Kelsey Hightower was up there, and it was it was like a short five minute talk, but I think that was pretty much the point of his talk. Is just like yeah, 
the stuff that you all do used to be crazy, and now it's normal. <laughs> and just remember that at one point you thought it was crazy, <laughs> and and you know it was fun and interesting to get through it. So, like, speaking of things becoming normal and not crazy, like with with the so with with the organizations you work with, right? Like with the customers, like what are like what I'm always curious about is like so they they want to put a platform in place, so they're talking with you, and like what are they running on it? Like what's motivating them to like put this platform in place rather than just do what they're already doing? Like what are the reasons that they're shifting over? So that's, that's an interesting question. So, um, so most of our customers that we have, most of our network that we have, they're the same as VMware's network. They're, um, you know, they're people that we've known for years running vSphere, running, you know, VRA, running, you know, uh, NSX. Um, so our contacts in our network are mostly infra, right? So they will be IT directors. they will be central IT inside these companies. They're not, so crucially, they're, they're not necessarily lines of business. They're not necessarily where the developers live. Mm. So when we get the ask, and this is, I think, similar for VMware, when we get the ask, it's usually coming from central IT, from infra, and they don't know why they're being asked. They're simply being asked to provide, say, Kubernetes as a service to the rest of their organization or to a specific project that's running or, you know, when they're just starting up um, or to, uh, you know, uh, whatever line of business represents a group of developers. And when you ask them, well, what's this for? You know, what's the, what's the actual use case behind this? They, don't, they, they often won't know um, because there's this gap. Um, and, and I love customers like that because, you know, because it allows me to go on a journey with them, which excites me. Um, because that's the journey I've been on. So it's like, oh, you're, you're in for a ride. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and of course, you know, and some people are, are really all in on that ride and some are less so, but that's, that's part of, you know, the, what makes this uh, an interesting job. Um, it's very sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll come in and it'll be developers. It'll be a line of business or a specific project or something saying, look, we need, we, uh, we need, say, you know, Kubernetes on-premises. Um, you guys specialize in this VMware stuff. Apparently VMware also does something with Kubernetes. Why don't you go help our central IT set this up? And we're like, great, we can do that. That's what we do. Um, so we, we always end up at the place where where um, the VMware products are owned, which is almost always still central IT. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we could we could have a discussion whether that should remain the normal because uh, I don't think it should. I think that um, I think that that maybe when you, especially when you talk in terms of platform teams and the stack of technology you you need, the full stack of technology you need to um, to create, say, you know, an internal developer platform or some kind of developer experience or something that's going to be consumed mostly by developers. Maybe it shouldn't be owned by central IT. Maybe it should be distributed, or maybe you you need to create a separate division for this. So this is the kind of these are the kind of conversations I have too. So it's not just about product and about how to implement, you know, TKG or Avi or that stuff. But it's also like, how do you position this inside your company? How are you going to sell this to the business? Or how are you going to how are you going to make sure that that it doesn't immediately fall into the same list of building blocks as, say, virtualization? It may it may not fit best there. Maybe this is a separate category. I think it's a separate category because these technologies. From like let's say Kubernetes and up, um, is way closer to software development. You know, it's it's um, the way I explain Kubernetes to, to to people is is you know see it as see it as a, a framework, an infrastructure to build a, a scaffolding to build modern application architectures. So that means you know this, and it goes so that goes way beyond just VMs. VMs are like individual building blocks you can use, you know, to to do runtime. Kubernetes does a lot more. You can describe the whole architecture in it. So it is naturally going to be closer to the people building that architecture. And who builds software architecture? It's going to be the developers. Or it's going to be some project, or it's going to be something something that's probably outside of central IT. You're going to have to be pretty close to that wherever that's coming from in order to make the adoption of these technologies be successful, to actually fit the use case, you have to bridge the gap. So, so that, that creates all kinds of interesting discussions. Um, 
within 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 companies within organizations that we talk to because it'll it's be the first time that they've been confronted with the fact that they're building a platform specifically to enable software development in a modern way um, and but to make it successful they they it has to be you know they have they have to bridge that gap it's sometimes for the first time they're really really forced to bridge the gap um, and uh, and then we start talking talking about well let's talk about self service instead of doing everything through a ticketing system for example um, and let's talk about automating DNS and certificates and uh, and uh, data services instead of having to put in a ticket um, and and this is where things get crazy <laughs> because the scope of what what it takes to make a, a kind of a modern app platform actually successful then suddenly they realize it goes beyond just um, you know, building some technology and raising a stack inside central IT, but it requires a bit of a cultural shift. It requires an organizational shift. And that's, that's really at the heart of it. Um, all this technology is really cool and it's gonna keep changing and it's cyclical, but what the harder thing to change is the people and the process, right? It's the mindset and the organizational stuff you need to put in place to, to actually make the adoption of this stuff actually successful. That's the real challenge. You know, you may, maybe you can help me figure out how to word this thought that you're uh, you're you're uh, making me have, which is like so. You know, the 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 easy main way to talk about like you know whenever you're using cloud native stuff, like building stuff on Kubernetes or using like a PaaS thing, like a, you know, like a Cloud Foundry thing or whatever, whatever it may be, building these platforms, to developers is often around like automation and speed and kind of as you were alluding to not um not have like avoiding having to file tickets for getting stuff right just self-service and in, in all the good ways but <clears throat> there's another angle that like it's always well i don't know it, it feels like it's weird to talk about if only because we don't talk about it this explicitly but it's also like whenever you're putting a platform in place there's both like the opportunity and the need to do a lot of customization of that platform for how it works in, in your organization, how your developers use it and, you know, build a platform out on top of it. And then as you were kind of getting to, that's where if you are building kind of a, a, a customized platform, then of course you should talk with the developers <laughs> to, to see what works for them and, you know, doesn't work. Right. And, in contrast, right? Like, I mean, as we were talking, virtualization has been around for a while and, and sort of like, I mean, I work at VMware, so I know there's a lot of interesting innovation and stuff that goes on there, but it's like, it's, we've got it figured out, right? Like, as you were saying, there's like the building blocks of virtualization and like what you do with them. Whereas like when you're building like cloud native platforms, like, I don't know if it's all figured out, <laughs> let, let alone like, how inside your organizations and with various groups of developers, how they want to use it. And so it seems like that's why you have this pull if you're just more of a, a, a traditional infrastructure person to think a lot more about just not so much how you provide and ensure that like the infrastructure you're giving developers like runs and that it has all of the illities that you need, but also that it just has like the features and the functionality that you, the platform people are kind of like own <laughs> like you're in charge of that yeah. and, and and building it out which is a different i think that's a different function than infrastructure people have had for a long time like customizing things out yeah this is um this is also where the um this is also a bit of a trap that people can fall into really easily um so so one of the things pivotal was like to talk about was the concept of platform as a product and the idea behind that is is think of think of an app you know, think of um, think of a version 0.1, like an alpha version of an app, or maybe a, a game on Steam, right? We decided to fund it on the Patreon. You get access to the uh, the early alphas, and what you what you get is a you know a, a minimal viable product. <laughs> you get you get a beta version of the game or a beta version of an app. You know that it's not going to do everything that you. you know, there's a vision. There's somewhere you want to get. But the initial version won't have that. But you go on a journey with um, with with uh, you know, whatever team is behind the game or the app, and they have a roadmap and they have an ambition and they have a vision, and and it gets better and better over time. Um, so 
so the what what a lot of especially in 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 corporate IT, um, they used to just buying buying products off the shelf, and saying here's a product, here's a feature set. This product's been around for for ages. It's supported by some vendor. It does you know X Y and Z, and that's what you get. And um, and it's a kind of a closed loop. You know, the, if you if 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 you wanted to do more than that. Well, we can uh, maybe put in a feature request with the vendor, but that's not necessarily going to be, you know, it's, it's you know, it'll be on a roadmap somewhere. But <laughs> but when you when you look at kind of you know indie games or apps, it's a lot more iterative, right? It's a lot it's a lot more cloud native, shall we say? Um, and the way I advise people is to think of platform teams and the product that they're building in the same way. Start small, you know. Don't 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 try to reach for the moon. Don't don't don't. You know, go go into your organization, find requirements, write them all down, but create a roadmap that's very restricted in scope. You don't need to solve every organizational problem, every developer need in day on day one. Um, you might want to start with the most important ones, but sometimes the most important ones are also the most complex to solve. Mm. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example to make it a little bit more tangible. Um, data services. So okay, you've got Kubernetes, you've got a platform team that runs Kubernetes for you. Developers want self-service data services. They want to be able to just consume a you know, Postgres database. Um, now you have to provide them a Postgres database. So that's already a challenge for some platform teams because they might not know anything about databases, certainly not DBAs, might know a bit about Kubernetes. Um, so you can you know, use, use an operator, spin up Postgres, deliver Postgres as a service. And then if it's, um, if it's a Windows uh, kind of based organization and they're used to developing in Windows, they might say, hold on, this Postgres thing, can this, uh, can this, can this integrate with uh, Microsoft Kerberos? And, and then you go like, uh, that uh, sounds like fun. No. <laughs> oh, and you go, go to the operator. It's like, uh, no, I don't think so. And they said, well, we, we definitely need, we definitely need Kerberos authentication because that's how we're used to working with, with databases. You know, we need, uh-huh. uh, we need we need the, uh, the Microsoft service accounts that do the, the service identity, go straight into the database. That's how we do things. But this is, this is where things can kind of get off the rails because the, the, there, a requirement is, is also a bit of a, a mental trick people do. They're used to something. They're used to a way of working. And when you ask them what they need, they will say they will give you a version of reality that matches what they're used to. It doesn't necessarily map to what they actually need. So part of having a successful platform team and building a successful roadmap is being able to pass the difference between those two things. Um, this is this is what they do. This is what they say they need. This is what they actually need. But to understand what they actually need, you have to know a little bit about their process. You have to understand what it is they're building. And, able to, and, and then you can say, look, how about this? We're going to give you on-demand databases, so you'll never have to do a ticket ever again. How about that? Does that sound good? And they say, yes, okay, but it won't ever have Kerberos authentication because you're going to have to learn how to do you know, a different way of authentication. But you get this amazing self-service experience back in return. What do you think of that? Oh, that sounds kind of cool, they might say, or they might not say that. Um, so, so building a successful platform and the roadmap for it is always a negotiation. <laughs> um, is basically my point. Um, yeah, you're never and, going to be able to give them everything they need, but you can give them most of what they need. Yeah, and 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 to your your, I mean, you know, it's it's a it's an excellent uh, change agent tactic to give people things they want to have them stop doing things the old way <laughs> or or to put it in a more positive way to have them start doing things in a new way right as you, you know give them advantages and and tasty treats and things like that and you know you're you're also like in in what you're going over there right like there's maybe the the notion that that I was looking for some good wording on is like when you're putting a platform in place you have the option to like to make the platform better for your needs. As you were saying, right, instead of like waiting for another roadmap or trying to influence features being added that just kind of come out of the box, you can actually like change things, not everything, but you can customize what things are like, add in different services, like you were saying, uh, like how integrations work, all sorts of stuff like that. But what that means is that 
you have to be able to basically like product manage it. Like you have to go through that process of figuring out what to do. But, you know, having having the uh, having your infrastructure finally behave in a way that your organization wanted in the first place should be pretty attractive. Like and and it's also like I keep saying this word customize and I think it's like a, a, a commentary on the, the fraught nature of this idea is like at some point I learned that customizing was a bad idea. <laughs> but but in fact, in this case, you know, it's it's like kind of like you were saying the whole not the whole but a major component of doing like platforms in this area is that it is a system that has been developed so that customizing is okay is not a bad idea to, to kind of be yeah. lost on your own custom island. But customizing has a cost associated with it. And I think that's the most important thing to always you know, be aware of. Because um, say that, that it becomes an actual requirement to, to make sure that that Postgres can be accessed through some kind of Kerberos integration. I mean, there are solutions for that. There are technical solutions for that. But they, they take time and expertise to implement and they add a, an overhead to maintain. And that... And that can be the role of their platform team, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But, um, but what you can, this is the trap, you can end up in everything being um, super custom and impossible to maintain. It's like spaghetti code, but at the platform level. You end up with, with um, you know, 20 point solutions built into your platform to address 20 needs. Uh, how big is your platform exactly supposed to be? How many people in your platform team do you want to have? How many different skills are they supposed to have? Is it still viable? Now, at larger and larger scale, of course, you can get efficiencies around this. Um, but it, it, this is every every company, every organization is has a you know a different dividing line where where they where they where they draw that where they where where the the effort becomes too much. Um, I think I, I mean we touched on it, the role of the, the, the product owner or the role of the project leader or, or whatever who is managing those expectations and managing that roadmap, that role is super, super important. Um, and it's only going to become more important um, to, uh, to, to create, you know, to create platforms and services like this. Um, and that, and of, of course the, and I touched on the skill thing um, and maybe, maybe we could just expand on that one a, a bit because that's a huge problem, right? The, the amount of people, Currently, in the kind of workforce that no Kubernetes is still relatively small. Uh, the people who understand cloud native architectures, and all the stuff that goes into building a cloud native architecture is relatively rare still um, amongst developers, amongst uh, you know, infra infrastructure people, ops people. Um, and I don't see that problem going away anytime soon. I, in fact, I, I kind of I see signals that get it's getting worse, and it doesn't it doesn't help. Like as you pointed out, that this. This ecosystem is still like really in flux still, and uh, very much uh, kind of we're in, we're in the early days of it. Um, but um, but this, the, you know, I, I really see that the problem around around skills being a real impediment to progress. It's, it's again, it, it and it, when it goes back to the platform team, this is what I say: like keep your scope really constrained because you're not going to find you're not going to be able to add a DBA to this team, um, you know, anytime soon. You're not going to be able. You, you, Try to focus on one or two services first. Become really good at delivering those mm. before you go wide, um, because you're not going to have you know the skill sets. You know, you, it's a distributed MongoDB. Um, you know, you have to find a MongoDB guy, right? Um, yeah, you know, you know, I mean, to 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 oversimplify it almost to the uh, the uh, I don't know the level of cuteness and triteness, right? Like, it's it's I mean, it's it's always good to know how your tools and technology work. Like I always think that like, yeah, cu culture is great, but if you don't have tools, it's just a bunch of talking. Uh, so you, you always need tools, but also like kind of the, it seems like in, in this fluxiness period that we have, like the most durable thing you can do is like understand what your needs are, <laughs> right? Like understand like what the developers need, what your organization needs and Understand also that kind of like product owner, product management process of continually refreshing and understanding it. And that way, whenever some new technology or, you know, different versions of the same technology come around, you can always start with with what the needs are, like what, what people are doing instead of having to um, rediscover those needs based on the tool you end up with. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of changing the way you work according to the tools that you have, but not like all the way. 
it's also good to be realized like here here's like what we need and so we're going to get tools that work this way or force our tools to, to work that way right like a, a good a good middle path uh, for oh yeah that's um that's a question that customers often don't expect um you know when i when i say this this use case you think you have does it actually need kubernetes <laughs> Does it, <laughs> right. It's actually needs containers. Do, does this needs does this need to be a microservices architecture? Yeah. Um, and they're like, well, what, what, you know, they, they, it shocks them. Um, but but I mean, there's 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 a place for all of this stuff. There's a place for monoliths. You know, there's a there, there's a place for spaghetti code <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. There's a yeah, it, there's a it 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 doesn't you know that um, nothing things often don't need to be perfect to be successful. Um, you know, we, we see that. Um, you know, we, we see that all the time. Um, I mean, uh, it's Twitter. Just take Twitter for example, right? I mean, if you if you if you believe the Twitter files and if you if you're following all the stuff coming out of Twitter now, you think, oh, it was a mess inside, but it was good enough. It was good enough to create a service that millions of people were using um, successfully, happily. Um, you know, even 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 what we think of as the most cutting edge services are actually really messy on the inside, and we often don't know because they work well enough. Um, and, and, but, you know, engineers like doing things properly. They, they like to, you know, they often are a little bit thinking in black and white. They, they, they like to, to make, have the best technical solution. They, they want things, you know, um, implemented in the best technical way. Um, and that, that's of course, and this, this is not related to cloud natives, just, just generally to, to get somewhere, it doesn't always have to need, doesn't always need to be perfect. It needs to be good enough to address the need. And the same is true for, for platform engineering, or what you what you want to what you want to deliver, or even the quality and what you want to deliver it. I mean, the, of course, there are best practices, but you can you can get in in the end you want to you want to be able to achieve something that's of value to your business or to your use case. Um, and so it, you can compromise, um, but you need to compromise in the right ways, um, and that can be that can be a real trick to understand, like you know what's important, what is not important. Yeah, I mean, definitely like all of this uh, shifting to a platform stuff or when 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 you get the request to build up a Kubernetes thing, like it's it's a good it's a good moment to just do your standard five wise thing, not to be an annoying contrarian, you know, the 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 uh, the consultative person who's always like, let's back up and start with why. But really just to like, you know, every now and then it's good to like go down a, a five or so wise just to find out, like, let's just make sure. We're we're doing the best here that like we're uh, we're meeting the needs uh, that people have. Well, speaking of meeting the needs that people have, if someone had some needs that they needed addressed, how would they uh, how would they get in contact with y'all? What should what should they look up to see if uh, you're someone who could help them out? Well, um, so um, well, I mean, I'm on Twitter, and um, uh, but I'm not as active as I, as I used to be. I've also been playing around with Mastodon a bit. Um, as we probably all have been <laughs> recently, um, but um, but I do occasionally put some blurbs out there. Um, I used to blog more. I find it hard to, to keep up with blogging. Mm. Um, when it comes and to who my reads company, them anyways, I, that's that's the problem with blogging. Well, very there's, unsatisfying. There's well, it's, I'll tell you though. I mean, the 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 reason I if I block something, the reason I block something is because I wanted to to show up in a Google result in six years time. <laughs> right, right. That's my yeah. motivation. It's that one guy in the middle of nowhere. Who's, who's run into a problem and is like, and my blog is the answer. And yeah. it doesn't matter that it was like, you know, a seven-year-old blog post. I, I get comments like that. It's like, oh my God, you saved me. I'm like, why are you still working with Exchange version, you know, 2010? Yeah. Or, or, um, clear, yeah. or clearly how to get Microsoft Kerberos to work with Postgres, I think. Oh, yes. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, when it comes to, to the company, I work for ITQ. Um, so, uh, so, so we, yeah, we, we specialize around the whole VMware stack. So we're, we're the people to, to go to for that. But, um, and this is kind of, um, to go back to the skills issue, um, we think we think a lot of people are going to struggle with this cloud native stuff. We, we can see, I mean, we see them struggling with this cloud native stuff. The skills aren't, aren't there. Um, we saw an opportunity, like a, like a, um, you know, a gap in the market to address. So we've, uh, we've teamed up with VMware to create, to create a managed service around Tanzu. Uh, so this is kind of a new concept. Uh, new for VMware too, uh, to actually do to do managed services around around some of the cloud native stuff that, that VMware is building. Um, so we've just launched that. We launched that at, at Explore in Barcelona, um, and and that's what I'm currently working on the most. That's my whole focus right now is building out that whole service. Um, so so that's I just needed to pitch that in there. 
uh, you know, have my commercial hat on. Um, cause, cause if people want to contact us, they should definitely contact us about that. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. I, see I wrap that up. Yeah. You know, um, I, 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 you know, related to that, right? Like, uh, I'm always like tossing around in my head, like the notion of like, doesn't everyone just want public cloud? And, and what I mean by, you know, again, to apply the needs analysis is like, you just want to like, not real, there's a certain level of infrastructure management, you just don't want to do anymore. <laughs> right. And whether whether that's like someone else is managing it for you, or like, you get it from like public cloud over here, or whatever, like, it seems like, wherever that line may be, there's a lot more uh, interest in just like having someone else do that, but without the um, without the like, we have to file a ticket and be compliant with our uh, five year contract that you hear about from traditional outsourcing, right? You want something a little more fungible, uh, which which I think it's it's exciting to see how that's, uh, that's panning out with people. Well, well, thanks for being on. It was it was fun. Uh, I, I had a few things to uh, noodle around on here to use some other mind idiom uh, af after talking with you. And you know, I, I'm Maybe we'll see each other at KubeCon. We always uh, we always sort of accidentally oh. run into each other yeah. uh, when we're out and about. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, well, well, what we should remind people, and this is some more relevant for the Dutch market. There's a VMUG coming up in March. Mm. So the Dutch VMUG, which is the biggest VMUG uh, VMware user group meeting in the world, um, it's that's coming up soon. I'll be I have a session there around. Um, uh, some some best practices and, and kind of lessons learned around uh, Tanzu Kubernetes Grid and the AVI. And basically, you know, some of the stuff we talked about, how to do a platform team. And then, yeah, we're going to KubeCon, um, not speaking there, but we're, we're taking 10 of our consultants to KubeCon because we just think it's an important thing for them to, to, to be exposed to that ecosystem. It's right around the corner. It's Amsterdam, which is great. And um, and I'm planning to organize a VBeers around KubeCon. So that, mm. that's an interesting combination because VB is very you know, V community thing, very much a VMware thing. And then it's at KubeCon. So we co-located it, you know, somewhere in the Amsterdam city center. I've yet to pick a place for it. Um, and of course, I want to see all our VMware friends show up there, including those who, uh, who were at the, who were doing booth duty uh, at the, uh, at KubeCon, uh, all the developer advocates and uh, all those, all those, all those friends. But uh, but anyone's welcome to to show up. Um, I haven't published anything. Um, just keep an eye on my Twitter for that, um, and uh, it'll just be a, a cool way for the um, the more V communities kind of people that are walking around KubeCon to, to get together maybe. Um, but I would definitely um, drag anyone who's deliber deliberately not from the V community, so people outside of our ecosystem, drag them along, um, because meshing the, you know the the cloud native the CNCF community together with the V community sounds like a, a pretty good, uh, pretty good plan for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, no, that should be good. Cause I, I think, I think people around here on, on, uh, what, what, whatever, whether, whatever, if, if you're a V or a K, so to speak, uh, every, everyone around here is always very curious and open about what's going on and has, uh, is always very forthcoming with their opinions. So there's always a, uh, there's never a boring conversation <laughs> up, yeah. up here about computers and stuff. Well, great. Well, I'll, uh, I'll try to list those things in the, uh, the show notes, which, which you can get, dear listener, if you go to tanzutalk.com and uh, it's, it's easy to find this episode, but you can, uh, you can see the, the VMUG that's going on. I, I spoke at that last year and it is, it's massive. It's a, it's a very large VMUG, uh, which was nice. And then also uh, links to the other relevant stuff. Well, thanks for being on. Yeah, you're really, uh, you're, you're welcome. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I hope we can do this again uh, at some point. <laughs>